0: Thank you very much, and Congratulations on getting this conference and this important topic underway. Now, the European Research Council, as you know, is funded uh, by the European Commission, so it was part of the framework programme and it hopefully will be part of Horizons 2020. Because we are funded by the European Commission, we are bound by Commission regulations, including uh, in open access, and as you know, in the Framework 7 program, the requirement was that all publications by all people funded uh, on the, under Framework 7 would have all the publications available free of charge on open access repositories. And uh, that in for Horizon 2020 is to extend uh, to data as well as to publications in journals, book form, and now data is to be available uh, on open access as well. So that effectively is the requirement. And the European Research Council, when it was first established, uh, could quite enthusiastically endorse all of this because it didn't have any researchers at the time. It wasn't really until 2007 that we funded our first team of researchers and the problems of what they do with their publications didn't begin to arise until about three years uh, after the event. Now, the ERC is also different from the framework program generally in that it has a scientific council, which is 22 uh, academic members who effectively monitor what is taking place. So that while in 2006 and in 2007, the ERC put on its website very rigid statements in relation to open access, It revised those in 2012 and it is revising them further again in 2013. And the revisions that are currently underway, and my responsibility as chair is to see these revisions through, is to take account of practice over the last five to six years and to take account of the new obligations which we have to meet under Horizons 2020. And uh, the Horizon 2020 Regulations and Open Access While they have been stated in general terms, the specifics of how they will be implemented have not yet been worked out uh, so that the uh, staff in the European Research Council are part of the discussions that are taking place. As I said, the the principal responsibility of the Scientific Council is to see that we recruit the best researchers and that the researchers we recruit uh, publish in the best outlets. Uh, And we don't qualify that in any way, except that now there is also the requirement that all of these publications be available free of charge in open access repositories. And as a, a body which awards grants, there is no difficulty in somebody who applies for an ERC grant putting as part of its cost the cost of meeting this particular requirement. And that the only difficulty about cost arises is if the publications continue to happen after the grant period, uh, then effectively the grant has been closed down and there isn't any money anymore. And uh, generally speaking, we have been better than the framework programme generally in having our researchers uh, make their publications available on open access. Something like 80% of the publications of grantees have been made available in open access, of the ERC grantees, whereas uh, that for the framework programme generally is in a much lower level than that. Our figures are higher because the grants go to individuals and because we have an administrative staff who uh, engage in conversations with them on these matters and help them in uh, locating uh, their publications. But now that we are revising and we are sitting down seriously to address the whole question of open access, and the problems that have arisen, uh, first of all we have concluded that we are not in favour of open access for open access's sake. Uh, we do not believe. To use part of the vocabulary that's being used in the debate, that the tax-paying public have a moral right to see all publications free of charge on their home computers. Uh, We don't see any purpose in that at all. We find that most bus drivers out in Donnybrook bus station are not particularly worried about whether or not uh, the most recent cancer publications are available to them free of charge. So that's really not an issue. Our issue is that open access is a useful tool to give researchers access to a broader audience than they would if they used the printed version alone. And as a consequence of that ambition, we have discovered that generic open access repositories are really of very little benefit in attaining that particular target. Uh, So that in that sense, we are more in favor of a discipline, are at least domain specific repositories rather than in generic repositories. So the recommendations that we are giving to our researchers at the moment, and this is based on custom and practice, that all people in the life sciences are recommended uh, to publish in publications which will give them access to Europe PubMed Central. Because that appears to be the first place where people in the life science areas look if they want to see uh, what publications have been published in that particular domain. Uh, so that in, and it is also easy to apply for the researcher because most of the principal publications in that area put their public, put their articles automatically on PubMed Central, and all the extra work that is required of them. For, from our point of our, our grantees point of view is to add the metadata to say that they, it was an erc grant and what the theme was etc etc but that the actual putting up of the downloading of the article itself for the most part is done by journals for people in physical and engineering sciences we have been recommending archive archive is published out of cornell university That archive, Uh, I'll talk about the disadvantages of these, uh, but generally speaking, this is the only one that we are able to recommend in the physical uh, and engineering science area. And in the social science and humanities area, we couldn't identify a repository which was suitable for uh, deposit. And we held a workshop inviting those who wanted to be uh, recognized as repositories to come and tell us what they did. And we arrived at the end of that day uh, no wiser than we were before. Again, that there is no uh, repository out there which is going to enhance the impact of the publication in a humanities or arts or social science journal for the most part. So that what we are recommending there is that people in these domains uh, deposit their material in a, a, an institutional or in a national repository, hopefully one that is compliant with open air. Open air being a uh, 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 European funded. Uh, so that in that sense, we are still recommending our scientists to publish in the best possible places. Increasingly, we are engaged in conversations with journals uh, to, in, to To point out to journals the advantage of becoming open-air compliant, so that we can recommend uh, scientists to publish there, and now to look at the disadvantages of the three schemes that we we are recommending. As far as the live sciences are concerned, Elsevier publications were unwilling until very recently, until the beginning of April, to permit uh, their their, uh, articles to appear without a long time interlude. And now that since the 1st of April, they have done away with that requirement, but they are still uh, applying a very high article processing charge. Now, as I said, within our grant system, we allow that cost to be made. But if the person didn't make an application to meet those costs at the point when they're making their grant application, then they don't have the money to do it so that those who effectively persist in publishing in Elsevier publications are really not going to comply with our grant requirement. We're not going to penalize them for that, but in that sense, there's a lack of compliance as a consequence of that. Uh, the charge ranges from 500 to 3,000 euros per article uh, in and about 1,600 per article is what is being charged as, as the processing charge by Elsevier publications. So in that sense, it's quite a considerable cost if it hasn't been put into the budget. As far as our is concerned, uh, that the mathematicians and engineers are not particularly satisfied that that is meeting their requirements. Uh, But we are saying to the mathematicians and engineers, if you can point out something better, we will be happy to subscribe to something better. But in the meantime, that is the best place that we can recommend you to apply for. Uh, There are further complications that we are not a subscribing member and there are bureaucratic obstacles to us becoming... Subscription is only three thousand US dollars, but it is a non-European outlet and getting the commission to allow us to give three thousand dollars is causing an incredible amount of, of, of hassle. Uh, But if we were a subscribing member, we would be able to dictate better about metadata being entered with the publications. While the publications are being accepted, we have no editorial influence and control without subscribing. And as I mentioned, the problem with social science and humanities, we may have another day inviting people uh, to uh, bring themselves forward and indicate what they can do for us in the matter of uh, providing proper repositories. Now the the two other issues that I want to deal with, and I'm not sure how I am for time, are the issues of monographs and the issues of data. Uh, Because under Horizon 2020, uh, data is mandatory also. As far as monographs are concerned, back in 2006 the erc included monographs as well as journal articles being required that these were to be available uh, on open access as well i think that the people who made those regulations had little understanding of how monographs and how publishers operate uh, so that effectively we are now uh, recommending an application of a system which isn't applicable or if it is looking at it from a humanist, and I happen to be a historian, and his history is one of the disciplines that is very monograph-related, so that uh, the the more prestigious English-language publishers, university presses, effectively will not allow you to put their books up on a repository free of charge. And insofar as they are addressing the repository issue for open access, they are developing repositories of their own, which won't be free of charge. In other words, in a few years down the line, Oxford University Press will publish monographs, will have online versions available, and libraries will choose whether they want to subscribe to the online version or to the print version, but there is no way that they will allow free of charge on an institutional repository. So the, in that sense, the rules are not uh, applicable at the moment, and the, if, if, if the Commission, Uh, stays rigidly with the requirement that all monographs be available on open access what is going to happen is that a new tier of publishers less competitive publishers will come into being who will charge people to print the book in the first instance and then charge people to do an online version which will be available free of charge in a repository in that sense i think it will be bringing down the quality of the places where people are publishing As far as data is concerned, uh, yes, we are in favor of data being made available and public as early as possible. uh, But on the other hand, we recognize that there are problems there for everybody. Uh, For people in the qualitative social science areas, that many of the oral interviews which are conducted are conducted on the strict understanding that this is confidential data and frequently it will be stated it's going to be confidential for 10 years or 20 years or until the last person mentioned in the repository is dead or whatever it might be. In that sense, any publications which are reliant on that type of data ultimately cannot be made made available uh, on free open access. Many people in science areas have entered into contractual arrangements with industry who are co-sponsors of the research itself and in that again there is a contractual bar on exposing the data which has been assembled in that way and in the arts and humanities area uh, that much of the data Um, artifacts from museums or or art paintings from galleries or quotations from literary living authors all of these have been permission to reproduce these in journal articles and books has been granted on the understanding that there's going to be a run of 300 or something like that and nobody is going to grant the same permission if it's going to be made available on an open access repository. So with these with these uh, restrictions or uh, uh, recognitions of reality that there are limitations we are recommending that data be made available for open access and we are recommending that data banks that have been assembled will be made available free of charge to other researchers so that people won't be doing the same work over and over again assembling uh, data. But uh, on the other hand, we recognize that that there are strict limitations which are legally binding and which we should not encourage people uh, to break in any way at all. So I think I've stayed within my time limits. Uh, I suppose I might add a few general comments, yeah, personally. (laughs) Uh, that as we move to the, look to the future, uh, I think policymakers should engage more closely in conversations with researchers before laying down the regulations. That up to now, it is policymakers who have been the drivers in the whole open access debate, and researchers only find out about it when somebody tells them you're supposed to have that article available free of charge in an individual repository. I would think uh, the way the open access is happening at the moment, that individual research organisations in particular countries or at European level are laying down their own requirements. And you don't get the total picture of the researcher in any given place. So I would say the minimum that every repository should have where it is publishing somebody's full text should also have a full list of that person's publication from the day of their first publication until yesterday, so that you will see where the articles that are being made available in full print, where where they fit into the individual's uh, research career. And that uh, open access should make life easier for researchers than making it more difficult. Generally speaking, as I said, we're not particularly happy with generic repositories. Uh, we don't see that they're f- fulfilling any per- specific purpose. And in that sense, insofar as open air is serving as an enabler for generic repositories, eight million euros has been spent in open air so far. We believe it is an incredible amount of money. We can, personally speaking, I can, can see that we have had much return for it so far, and I'm not sure it is the correct way to go. It might be better to have a sequence of discipline-based repositories rather than to do the generic style that OpenAIR is working to. And the other problem with OpenAIR is that it gets its money from uh, one tranche of EU funding to the other, so that any open access repository has to guarantee permanency. And open air, which is reliant on one tranche of EU funding to the next, uh, ultimately cannot guarantee that permanency. Thanks, Nicholas.